Open up your Bibles, if you would, to Luke 2. There's an Old Testament and a New Testament. If you're learning your way around the Bible, the Old Testament starts with Genesis. The New Testament starts with Matthew, and Luke is in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. If you hear the term Gospels ever used, it's in one of the Gospels. Those are the first four books of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are considered to be the Gospels. And three of them were written by Jewish men, and one of them was written by a Gentile. Luke was the Gentile. And so this, uh, this account of the birth of Jesus... Luke chapter 2, verse 1 is where we'll begin. And right now, you know, this is a series of Advent. And Advent is really where the church celebrates the first coming of Jesus, then Jesus coming in our hearts of those of us that have received him, and then his coming again as returning as a Savior. And so we celebrate that and we look forward to that. But there's different words that we use to describe what Advent is about. And last week we talked about joy. And so this week we're going to talk about peace. Now, I love walking in peace. I love peace in my life. I don't like my peace disrupted. I don't like, you know, things getting away, turmoil or conflict or anything. And often the Lord uses peace to direct me and lead me. But just like we talked about last week with joy, that there's things regarding peace that can get in the way of us experiencing that in our lives. And so in Luke chapter 2, verse 1, it says that at that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because. Everybody say because. Because. So here's the problem that we have a challenge. One of the things that gets gets in the way of peace in our life, of us experiencing that, is uncertainty. And uncertainty usually is mapped by things that are unexpected in our world. Whenever things that we weren't counting on, things we weren't looking for, all of a sudden stuff just shows up and it interrupts our plans. It interrupts the direction we were going in. And this uncertainty, it shows up. And when it's, you know, and so many times things happen, we don't know why they happen. We don't know why they're there. Or sometimes, man, we know that God is leading us in a direction. He's speaking to us and we just have that sense, but we don't know how we're going to get there. I don't know if you've discovered this, sometimes the Lord, whenever he deals with me about things, he doesn't tell me all the steps, all the hows, all the whys. Sometimes it's just the next step. And in my mind, and my understanding, I'm like, Lord, I have no idea how this gets me there. Those things don't even seem connected. Have you ever felt like that God gives you like a plan, but sometimes you like, you're kind of like out there like, how's this going to happen? You ever felt that way before? Anybody besides me? Yeah, man, I mean, and so, so we have that. And so I think about Marion, as we talked about her last week, that she was probably 14 or 15 years old when she was pregnant. And here she is, you know, that all of a sudden the, the Roman, you know, uh, government has said that there's going to be this census and this taxing that's going to take place. And for the Jewish people, that meant they had to go back to where their lineage began. And Joseph, Mary's uh, betrothed, uh, who was betrothed to Mary, that was going to be the stepdad of Jesus, that his his beginning, his lineage started in Bethlehem. He was a descendant of David. And so he had all of those things. So he's going to have to make his way there. And it wasn't just any time of her life. 
It wasn't a time where, you know, all she's got to think about is herself. All she has to think about is just her own things. No, man, it's one of the most critical times in her life. She's betrothed, and even more so than that, she's pregnant. And even more so than that, she's just a few days from delivering the baby. As we talked about last week, we mentioned this, that, you know, I would imagine that the journey was on a donkey, that she had to make the journey on a donkey. Not the most comfortable thing in the world. When I think about women, you know, you guys are incredible. You know, God, in his wisdom, chose not to men, chose not for men not to be the ones that had babies. I'm pretty confident that humanity would have died off centuries ago. I mean, you know how hard we are when we get colds. Can you imagine how we would be if we were pregnant? You talk about unbearable. What kind of cravings would we have? You know, I mean, some of us live our life like we're always craving stuff. And so, you know, I mean, it would just be one of those things. And yet here's Mary, this young teenage girl, pulled away from every element of security that she has. She's making this ride. And then the one thing maybe she can count on is at least when we get there, we'll have a nice warm bed, a nice place to stay. And she shows up. And even then, there's not a place for them to stay. And they have to end up staying in a place that's typically reserved for uh, farm animals. And just that uncertainty about what do I do now? I didn't see this coming. Man, it can just get in the way of the peace that Jesus intended for us to have. It can just, it can just be there or this sense of, you know, how do I get there? I shared with you before that I remember when I was younger, we were way younger, a few decades back, and, and I had a, just this pulling in my heart to be in youth ministry. To be, a, you know, to go into student ministry, and, and I was working a job. They were good to me. It was a good place. It was a large ministry. But man, my heart was just so disconnected there because it was, it was just, I just, all I could see was like, God, you're calling me here. And I, I, I've said this before, but I, I seriously prayed this prayer where it was like, Lord, I believe this is where you're calling me, but I have no idea how it's going to happen. And if it's not of you, you need to take it away because one is, I'll never be satisfied doing anything else, and two is, it's not fair to the people that have employed me. They're paying me. They're good to me. They deserve better than what I feel like I'm able to give them. And just this gnawing on the inside. And all I knew at the time was, was that I had this urge, this, this drawing, this, this compelling by the Spirit of God that was stronger than anything else that I had in me. That, that even the thought of security and what I do next, I mean, they were still there, but, but this urge felt stronger than that. Or sometimes things take place in our life that we, we didn't see coming. It was unexpected. This uncertainty about what's next. What do I do now? I, I love this verse right here, man. It would be a good one for you to write down or for you to put on a card and read sometimes. It's Psalm 77, 19 in the New Living Translation. He said this, your road led through the sea. Your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. I've experienced that in my own life whenever God was dealing with me about something, leading me in a certain direction, but I didn't know how we were going to get there. And then when I look back on it and the door that he brought me through was, was a doorway that I didn't even know was there. It was an option, an opportunity, a way that, that he brought me through. And I, I had no idea that this is the way it was going to take place. It's, it's wild to think that, you know, for Euning, I, I love your story. You know, it's probably she had no idea when she looks back on this year from now, she's like, Jesus brought me to some people in the Claremore area in order to introduce me to him of all the people in the world, of all the places in the world. Why that place? And I know those people. Why those people? You know what I mean? So it's one of those things that, you know, you just, you think about that, that he takes us down a path 
that we didn't know was there originally, but it becomes familiar to us because it's the one he led us to. And so that uncertainty gets in the way of me having peace, and I just have to get to a place that I trust his leading. And even when I don't know the direction he's taken me, as important as trusting his leading is this, listen, trusting his timing. Do you trust his timing? Man, it feels like that can, it's just different than mine. My timing is, let's do it now. His timing is, let's wait, you're not ready. You'll destroy it if I give it to you now. It'll be a mess. Oh God, have you seen my life? I know, it's because you moved too early, did this. And so, but that uncertainty, man, I mean, we have to begin to trust God with the direction he wants us to go. Look at number two, if you would. Go with me, if you would, to... Um, to Luke 1, 26, or Luke 2, the chapter right before that. You know, going back to the other part, the Lord doesn't tell us everything in the beginning. And so, you know, I, I don't like limbo. I have to, it's the place that God grows me. In Luke 1, verse 26, it says this, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed. Everybody say confused and disturbed. disturbed. Some of you this morning are confused and disturbed. Some of you are just disturbed. But she said, but it says that she was confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great. And will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? How can this happen? How can this happen? I am a virgin, the angel replied. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. So she said, how can this happen? And then she wants to say, I'm a virgin. And just kind of a side thought, and this is a theological thing that should, I'm speaking to Christians right now. If you're not a believer, don't get hung up on this. But to Christians, you need to know this. Some people have tried to diminish the value of the virgin birth. And the truth of the matter is, is that without it, there would have been no redemption. That God had to be the father or Jesus could not have been our redeemer. And so because of the blood, the blood's determined by the father. And so just for you to know that. But anyway, that's a side thought. So it says, the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He'll reign over Israel forever. But when Mary said, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. You know, you think about this again, that another thing, it's a little bit like uncertainty, but it's different from this standpoint that it's a day-to-day thing, and that is anxiety. Some people right now are dealing with uncertainty just because your life just got turned around upside down or, or you're contemplating change. Or it feels like there's chaos going on. But other people, man, you just live with a sense of anxiety. It's, it's hard for you to get past it. I mean, just all the time there's kind of this anxiousness about you on everyday things, everyday items. How are we going to do this? How is this going to happen? How can this thing take place? Just constantly dealing with that thing, dealing with those issues that you constantly go forth on that. And so... So with that, this anxiousness occurs, this anxiety, and it gets in the way of, of what God wants to do, of the peace that he wants to bring. We, we did a series on peace one time, and there was a statement that we made, and it was this, and that is, is that peace is not the absence of chaos, it's the presence of Jesus. 
and to understand that. You know, Philippians 4, 6, one of my favorite verses says this. Many of you have heard this, but man, I don't know about you. I need to hear it over and over again. It starts out with this. Don't worry. Everybody say, don't worry. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. You have to repeat that. That's okay. Don't worry about anything. Thanks for being ready, though. Don't worry about anything. And so, you know, you think about that, that we're not to worry about anything. Anything? Anything. Well, Pastor Rick, man, my, I don't know what's happening at my job, you know. I mean, they're talking about layoffs. They're talking about recession. Don't worry about anything. Pastor Rick, Christmas is coming up, and I know it's about Jesus and that type of thing, but as a parent, I want to make sure that my kids, you know, I want them to have some experiences that I had as a parent. I get that. I get that. I remember one Christmas, Tina and I, we couldn't even afford a Christmas tree. If people would have come to our house, they'd have thought I was Ebenezer Scrooge's descendant. We had nothing. I mean, we couldn't afford it. And I'm like, hey, you don't need to pray that we'll get a visit by three spirits. We just don't have the money, you know? So, so but we can worry about these things. We can worry about, you know, if our, if our kids are no longer with us, if they're out of the house, don't worry about anything. But he didn't just stop there. He said, instead of worrying, we have another choice. We, you have an option to not worry that you can do something else besides worry. And it's way more effective, way more impactful. You know what that is? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Pray about everything. It says this, tell God what you need. Thank him for all that he's done. Then the peace of God, which passes understanding, will show up and surround your heart and your mind. It will be a peace that makes no sense because sometimes when I prayed about things, can I be real honest with you? That when I said amen, hardly ever in that moment have they immediately been fixed. I've even had some seasons when I've said amen that immediately following that moment, they've gotten worse. And the devil comes and goes, you shouldn't even pray. You'd be better off just worrying and not praying. And your mind wants to go, yeah, I know. That's not true. It's not true, man. I mean, in the middle, I've been there whenever I prayed and I've told God what I've needed. And I've not complained, but I thanked him for what he's done. There has been a peace that's shown up that I can't explain. And, and telling him what we need is kind of the easy part. Here's the challenge. In the middle of anxiety trying to overwhelm us, to be thankful for the things that he has done for us. I went to uh, uh, our son David's uh, graduation ceremony yesterday, and the guy that spoke, man, he said something that just kind of resonated with me. He talked to them about joy of all things at this, at this state university. He was talking to them about joy, and he said one of the things about it is, he said that an essence of joy is being thankful. And he said whenever you're thankful, the thing, that's, the thing that seemed like it, that, that it was inadequate all of a sudden becomes enough. That thankfulness makes it enough. That it gives God opportunity to do things. We think about, many of you are familiar with the miracle of the five loaves and two fishes. Where Jesus had 5,000 men besides women and children. And whenever it was presented to him, they said, all we have is this little boy's lunch. In other words, it's not enough. And you know what Jesus' first response was when he got it? He gave thanks. He gave thanks. You know what my response would have been? Lord, we can't feed everybody. with This isn't enough. That's not what he did. He gave thanks. You know what? His thankfulness turned his lack into enough. And so what we have to do when we feel anxiety is we have to begin to pray about that thing. Instead of praying about it, instead of worrying about it, pray about it. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all that he's done. Then, everybody say then. Yeah. Then what happens? The peace of God shows up. It shows up. Some of you have carried anxiousness since you were a childhood. Maybe because you were abandoned, maybe because the people that were supposed to protect you just did. They were too broken, they couldn't do it. 
Maybe it caused you to live with just kind of just this, just, you know, not knowing who to trust or anything like that. And, and it has protected you all this time, but it, it's not protected you. It's limited you. It's hindered your life. And I know it comes from a, from a, from a wound, from a place of brokenness. But Jesus came to heal you from that brokenness so you could experience his peace. And things don't have to be perfect. Your life doesn't have to be perfect. Because the one that you serve is perfect. But he loves you and your imperfection. He loves your imperfect, broken life. So what have you been worrying about this season? What's kept you from enjoying what this season is about? What is it that surrounds you? I get it. It could be finances. I've been there. It could be relational issues. I, I've been there. You know, it could be health issues. I, I, you know, I, I, just, I can only imagine what that's like. But the only way you'll experience peace, we think that peace comes if those things go away. No, just another problem props up in its place. Some imperfect situation or circumstance in our life comes in its place until we discover that the source of peace is not what's going on in our life, but the source of peace is Jesus. And the way that we experience that is by praying and spending time in his presence. Tell him what you need. Thank him for all that he's done. Then the peace of God will show up as you spend time with him and engage with him. Number two is this. We deal with anxiety. Let's look at number three, and we'll close with this. Go to Luke 2, back to Luke 2. Luke 2, verse 8 says this. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, the shepherds said to each other, let's go. Everybody say, let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see the thing. Let's see the thing that, the, that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Man, I love just studying the things out of this whole account, you know, culturally. Again, I, uh, some of you may have had this story. Some of you, your, my story is I was raised in church. Your story may not be that you were raised in church. And if you weren't raised in church, just be thankful of this, that not one time did you ever have to dress up in a bathrobe, put a towel on your head, and have a cane, and be like one of the shepherds or something like that, marching down the aisle of your church. How many of you, that was your childhood? Let me see. Is that your child? Yeah. Yeah, your, kid, your friends are out there playing basketball and throwing the baseball around. What are you doing? I got to go do some Christmas play, you know what I mean? And some of you had to be like the, you know, the Christmas animals, you know, the cow, the sheep. Some of you are the donkey. You know who you are. And so... Um, <laughs> But, you know, you, you, just those things, you know, you, that, uh, that, that we have that. But I, just think about all these guys. You know, you had, the, you had the, these wise men from the East that were men of leadership and men of wealth and influence, and they came. And then you had these shepherds, and they were considered kind of the lower end of society. Now, just kind of a side thought, theologically, some people think that these shepherds were the shepherds. They weren't just raising any sheep, but they were responsible to raise the sheep that would be offered up in sacrifices during Passover. 
But the thing that I think there's, there's a story here that can be said, one on the upper end of society and the other on the lower end was to say two things. One is, is that everybody needs Jesus. The down and outers and the up and outers, they're both out without Jesus. And that Jesus loves everybody. And so that, you know, that he's calling all of us. But here's the other thing they had in common is that no matter what their schedule was, these guys, these rich guys, they left from a position of influence and rulership, had to lead people in charge, that no matter what was going on in their life, it was not too busy to be a part of what God was doing. And the shepherds, in the middle of their job, in the middle of, of their important work, they looked at each other and they said, let's go. Let's go see what God's doing here. And I think one of the greatest hindrances we have in our culture right now as believers and it's well-meaning and well-intended is the fact that we get too busy for God. That we schedule him out of our life. I realize this, man. There's always stuff going on. I remember years ago when I got into student ministry for the first time, one of my responsibilities was every month they wanted me to do an activity for the students. And I did that. And in the early days, man, there'd be people coming up. But even back then, as time went on, lives just kept getting busier and busier and busier. And not only was the necessity for that monthly event no longer there, but even the need for it, people just, they didn't come. The attendance for it began to diminish because there's so many other things going on in people's lives. And the challenge is, is that our busy schedules are often a reflection of our good intentions, but poor priorities. We mean well. We intend well. We decide wrong. I, when I first got in ministry, you know, Tina and I, neither one were raised in ministry. I was, I was raised in church, and, um, and, you know, and, and she was not, she didn't go to church a lot. You know, her family loved her, and she didn't go to church a lot and, and that kind of thing, but she wasn't raised in ministry either. And so when we first got in ministry, ministry is kind of a funny thing. You can either be a really workaholic or you can be lazy, and I don't struggle with being lazy. I like what I do, so I, if I'm not careful, I put a lot of hours in. You've got to find that balance there, just making sure that you're ministering. You know, I've got to make sure my wife's being ministered to, my most important ministry, and my, my family, and that type of thing, those things, because I know me. I've been there before, and I remember when we first got in ministry that first year or two, man, I was living my dream, and, and as time went on, she was frustrated and disappointed and angry and, and just, you know, kind of behind the scenes, like, man, you're gone all the time. You're always doing stuff. And I, you know, I was like, well, you know, it's, I'm, you know, I'm not robbing 7-Elevens, man. I'm doing ministry. I mean, it's a good thing, right? I mean, you know, I, you know, I mean, robbing 7-Elevens probably is not nearly as demanding, but um, right now I'm doing this. And so, but there was just this conflict. She was kind of mad at me. And I'm like, oh man, dear God, I've married a heathen. I don't know what's going on. And so, you know, and so, so, you know, as time went on, I remember that the guy we were for, our pastor, he said, hey, look, I want to meet with you and Tina. And I said, okay, great. So he called us in and he sat down and he begins to talk to her. He said, look. He said, I, I just have this sense that you're right now you're just going through a really hard place and you're kind of angry about the ministry and, and kind of frustrated. And man, I was just sitting there on the inside, man. I was cheering. I was like, yes, God. You get her. She wouldn't listen to me. And so we brought in the big guns now. She's having to listen to you. This will teach her. This will remind her of in the moment, you know, my husband's always right. You know what I mean? It's kind of, kind of that thing. And so, so it finally gets to it. And I'm like, well, I, you know, in my mind, I'm like, I think we're just finishing up. And then he looks at me and he goes, and it's your fault. I was like, this is bogus. You've, you've missed God. You don't know what you're talking about. We were going to look for a new church. I need a new pastor, somebody that really understands God's work and won't take my wife's side. But um, we, and he said, he had me go down my schedule. And he said, you're just, you're neglecting her. And I mean, basically was saying that you're, you're justifying it, that it's good. 
And sometimes it can be good, but it's not what God wants for me in that season. So he adjusted my schedule. My wife did a victory lap. <laughs> and it probably saved our marriage. You know, it was just one of those things, just even the busyness of doing stuff that looks noble, looks right. You know, and sometimes all of us have those seasons where there's a little bit more time taken than normal. But it, but it can't be that way all the time. So many times in the pursuit of whatever, trying to please somebody else that may not be around your life in five years, at 10 years from now, when everybody's around the Christmas tree, this person's just somebody you work with and they may not be there. That, that we're not wanting to disappoint them, but we tell our family, just wait. Just wait, it'll be your turn eventually. You'll get some of me at some point. Just wait. Our lives are so busy that God's like, I really want you to do this. I, I want you to go see that, be a part of this, commit here, do that, serve here, you know, go to that. I got, I got a lot going on in my life, man. My schedule's really busy. And one by one, we begin to name off noble things. Things that, it's not that they don't matter, it's not that they're not important, but they're not the thing. I mean, those shepherds taking care of those sheep was an important thing. It wasn't like they were just going to every day just neglect the responsibility and opportunity, but in this season, God was doing something unique and specific. There was so much angelic activity around this event. You know, angels were appearing in different situations. Things were taking place. It was obvious that God was, he was doing something incredible in the earth at that moment. And what they would normally do, they had to put their normal on side for just a period of time and said, let's go see what God is doing. Our busyness gets in the way of experiencing peace because, again, peace is not the absence of chaos. It's the presence of Jesus. It's what, when he shows up, he brings. But in my life, if I'm not careful, even though he may be here, that I put things in front of him that have my attention, have my notice, get my energy, all the things that I have, my resources, and he gets none of it. He still loves me. But I just, I'm not enjoying experiencing the peace that his presence brings. And I have to learn to reconstruct my priorities because my life has gotten too crowded for God. It gets in the way of peace. I want you to do this. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute. I want us to spend just a moment with God. and Man, if, if you just find yourself of just, there's been huge change in your world all of a sudden. It feels like maybe the rug is just pulled out from under you or just there's things that are just going on. It's just created so much uncertainty with you. And it's hard to experience peace. Then take this moment and begin to trust God with what's going on in your world right now. Begin to trust him in this moment. Don't, don't spend so much time in the unknown. Don't spend so much time, you know, in the future. The future's not here yet. Spend time in this moment. Be faithful in this moment. Trust him in this moment. Enjoy his presence in this moment. Or if you're just a person that's lived with anxiety, man, ask yourself, is there a wounded place in me that's been there that's just created this, this distrust, this stepping away, this guardedness, this anxiety? Let his presence do a work in you. Bring about a healing in you. Maybe your life is just so busy. You're doing a lot of good things. A lot of noble things. 
you've scheduled God out of your life. Maybe it's time to make some adjustments. But I'm just going to be quiet for a moment, and just as you talk to the Lord, let the Holy Spirit deal with you. Let him speak to you about this moment. Let's just spend a moment with God.